Welcome to the podcast. It may interest you to know. Today, I'm very excited to get an opportunity to interview Emily Cameron, a a music executive uh, who's right now with ATC Management. Welcome, Emily. Thank you for having me. Well, you've had such an illustrious career. Uh, I want to take you back. I want to get to where you are now, of course, but you know, now you're, you're more advanced. Let's go back and talk a little bit about the early days. Um, so what first drew you to the music industry? Uh, well, I I originally actually wanted to be a musician when I was growing up. I mean, I kind of always, it sounds cheesy, but I always knew it was music kind of right from the minute I could talk. I was kind of singing before then and always had felt very, very connected to music, obsessed with music. I didn't care about any other subject in school, um, apart from kind of, you know, like drama or writing, which basically had to do with music anyway. And I played, um, I started playing the piano when I was five years old, and then I played the violin, uh, like started learning two years afterwards. Um, So I did that. And then I also sang, I was trained classically and went to musical theater school. But I felt very much that as much as I loved music, I really didn't want to be singing on a cruise ship or anything when I was 40 years old. And I also felt that I kind of wanted to explore the business of music more before I kind of ultimately decided that would be what I would go into. Um, But I didn't have any family in the music industry or kind of anyone to helped me get my foot in the door. And I was um, about 18 years old. I just finished high school, was very into sports. And I was training um, kickboxing and boxing and training up for a fight in the gym right next door to Sony Music Publishing. And I'd been frantically applying for internships everywhere, um, everywhere I could send my CV, anywhere I could find an email online, I would send it. Um, and obviously I was no more than just, you know, a name on a screen and they had millions of those coming in every day. And, um, the man who ran Sony music publishing at the time for North America and Europe was, uh, based out of the London office and used to train martial arts in the exact same gym. So someone said to me one day, oh, you know, they need, need an into, um, intern, And uh, it just so happened that it was exactly the time that I was looking for an internship. So I began my internship but never had any intention of leaving. So I made a lot of tea for three months and (laughs) made myself as indispensable as possible. And um, yeah, stayed there for two years and that was how I got started. What was the thing that impressed you most when you first started your internship? I mean, because walking into Sony Music, I mean, is is not exactly a mom and pop shop, right? So what was the thing yeah. that struck you the most when you first got there? Um, I think it was the... I learned so much about the creation of a song. Um, So I'd always known that there was record labels and artists and managers, but I didn't have any knowledge or understanding of the business behind making a record and the people who make those songs. Um, So for instance, you know, the first day that I was interning, I had to bring up and make tea for Niall Rogers, which was like, I mean, and still to this day, is, was he's one of my, you know, all-time favorite 
musicians and I think that what kind of took me took me aback the most was just kind of how many incredible songwriters producers there are and people that you know in the general public you just don't even know about but they're responsible for so many of our favorite songs over the years now eventually you decide to leave uh and and move on so what happens like what's what prompts the next move in your life well i was constantly bringing up uh songwriters producers um you know when i was interning i was bringing them up all the time for meetings and i would always kind of have the opportunity to chat to them and then i moved into an anr role where i was kind of a bit more hands-on with the rosper but still was communicating with them on a daily basis and it it wasn't lost on me how frustrated a lot of them were. Um, and having grown up doing music, I felt kind of very connected to a lot of their struggles. Um, I kind of felt in many ways, like, you know, these are a lot of the kids that I went to school with who, you know, we would do shows together and stuff. And, you know, a lot of the things about the music industry and that I started to learn about songwriting and streaming and, you know, how producers and songwriters get paid these days basically just really stood out to me how much was wrong with the industry. Um, and I felt that, you know, despite being able to be helpful somewhat from a publisher side, I was one of, you know, thousands and thousands of employees um, who could only do so much. And I think the role of management is much more, it's definitely much more demanding. Um, I think it's uh, high risk, high reward, um, uh, you know, but I felt that I would be able to be a lot more hands on with everyone and anyone that I worked with by being their manager, because I could kind of be there for them, not just to emotionally support, which is a really big part of the role, but also really kind of get into the weeds of, you know, demanding songwriting fees and master points for songwriters and, and stuff like that. So it, they were all things that I became aware of and wanted to kind of change a bit more directly. Sure. Well, now you're one of the things that attracted me to, uh, to you is that, you know, you're very uh, much a part of the process of protecting artists. Um, and I think that's an important thing. I mean, obviously we have the strikes going on right now, you know, with the, the Writers Guild and the, and the a Screen Actors Guild. Uh, and, and that's really all about protecting people who create, uh, right? And are trying to earn a living from creating. Uh, so for you, what does the creative process look like? I mean, because it's not just about creating the song, as you indicate. Uh, music industry is somewhat like the film industry or the television industry. They're very collaborative. Uh, you know, there's many hands in the in the wheel before you get to the final product, uh, right? So there's the, you know, we say there's the writer who puts the character on paper, and then there's the, the actor who breathes life into the paper character, and then the cinematographer kind of weaves you through the visual story. Um, so what's the creative process look like for you in your world and what the music your, your artists are creating now? Um, I mean, I think that it's, it's always what's interesting about it is that it's every song is different. Every day is different. Um, but very, very rarely, um, is a song ever made from just from an artist going into one session, working with a producer and a songwriter, 
and coming out at the end of the day with a finished record. I mean, that it just doesn't happen. Um, sometimes, um, you know, sometimes, but more often than not, you know, it is a very long process of, you know, you could have songs that have been sitting on a hard drive, you know, for a year or two years before someone hears them, you know, and I think especially these days, we've got such a plethora of music coming out constantly, it's so easy to release music and not that many people really know you know how to make a hit go viral or you know how to make something go off on TikTok and a lot of you know record labels are just trying to replicate the success of songs that have just kind of on a fluke taken off on the internet um I mean I think the thing that thing that I love the most about it is that it really can come any way um I think the thing that shocks me the most about it is how difficult it is for great music to get through to artists um there's a lot of politics involved you know I mean I think my my approach has always been to deal with the creators um even if it's not the songwriters or the producers you know I mean you I send songs to engineers pretty often um or mix mixes um to get a song through the line and get a song heard directly um because you know often the A&R might not always be super involved with the project um you know they might have come in to sign it but the artist you know is very much in their bubble um so yeah um and does it help that I mean you actually were were in A&R uh for a while uh right so did, does it help that you you fill that role you kind of have, have wore a lot of hats along the way to this point yes yeah I think that you've got to think and you've got to put you be able to put yourself in absolutely everyone's shoes um and kind of think really about what motivates every single person behind the record um to get on that record because ultimately you have a lot of gatekeepers um especially these days you know so even if you've got the song to the artist you you still then have to deal with you know someone at the record label who's like mm, you know I actually had a personal issue with the person who wrote this song they went on a date with my ex-girlfriend one time five years ago so I don't think we should I don't think we should make the cut I think I'm going to encourage everyone to keep this off the record you know I mean you you never really know kind of what you're dealing with but I think having been an A&R having an understanding of um you know really the artist and who they like to work with I think has been the most important thing for me and I, I was in a meeting the other day with a um a label publisher a, a, sorry a label A&R and he said to me you know it you I forget that you were a publisher but you're a manager who kind of acts like a publisher and I think when I think about the majority of songs that I've got cut or had success with for clients of mine it's always been from having that publishing background having the knowledge of okay well as a good A&R I have to know all the people that are across this project I have to know the artist's favorite writers the mixing engineer the um you know the production engineer the vocal and all these people um you know who are a part of the record um you know all, all have a say and an influence in in what ultimately comes out so yeah did a little bit of work on the Black Eyed Peas album, uh, right? Yeah. Weren't you a little involved right, with that? Right up there. <laughs> 
What um, was that like? I mean, that had to be pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, it was um, it was a really interesting process because it was done all throughout COVID. Um, so um, I was involved by uh, Johnny Goldstein, who um, is a producer from Israel, who I was managing at the time, and um, he is a very close collaborator of Well I Am. They still work very closely together. Um, I was obviously a huge fan of the Black Eyed Peas growing up um, and um, and had all their albums. So that was really exciting and really exciting to kind of hear things, you know, but become, you know, from a sample to a full track and then this artist gets on and then another artist gets on. And the, the translation album in particular had so many different incredible artists involved on it. Um, you know, I mean, especially in the Latin world, I mean, you have Maluma and, you know, Nicky Jam, but then Shakira and, you know, then you have artists like Tiger on there. I mean, it was, it was really kind of exciting timing, but also very interesting because we were in the middle of COVID and no one could do actual recording sessions. So Will I Am and Johnny actually did um johnny did 12 out of 13 productions on the album with will um and every single one of them he did uh on facetime uh from israel so he was actually in israel and he used to work on los angeles time or whatever time zone will i am was on they would connect and um you know, basically FaceTime and go back and forth over notes and make tweaks together, send stuff back and forth, you know, it would then be sent to this artist and that person and whoever was in, you know, whatever city and they could come in and record, they would. Um, the Shakira one in particular, a girl like me, was a very interesting one because I believe those vocals were actually from a session that was done in 2004. Um, <laughs> And yeah, and Will, I guess, just, you know, pulled them up and was like, hey, you know, I have these these vocals. How about we do something with this? Um, and it was that same top line that you uh, you hear today, but just kind of re repurposed, you know, and, and it's uh, it's super interesting, I think, how technology has allowed us to to do that. I mean, I think even despite the fact that we were in the middle of a global pandemic to be able to put out such a successful album, um, and be able to have the producer and everyone work on it remotely um, was really amazing. Cause I just moved to America and I was thinking, oh gosh, like, you know, I've <laughs> just moved to Los Angeles and, you know, so excited to get stuck into this process and how is it gonna work, you know? But I think ultimately it's um it's a good message. You know, I think great, great music and collaboration will always, you know, always shine through no matter, no matter what the situation is in the world, so. Yes. Is there an, ever an element of uh, uh, that you feel like I have to pinch myself for this reality? Like, like you said, you you went your whole life uh, enjoying or you know being a fan of the Black Eyed Peas, and like suddenly you're you're working on on a project with them. Like, is there a moment you're like I'm kind of living my dream? Uh, every day, every day, <laughs> yeah. to be honest with you, um, every day I kind of feel like it's not, especially living in Los Angeles, I think you kind of feel like, oh my gosh, is this kind of really real? And I think it's important to keep that as well, um, because I think the minute that you kind of become, you know, uh, jaded. not affected by it, yeah, but exactly, jaded by it, I think it's it's easy to also, you know, that there is another side of the music industry that is, 
you know, makes you feel slightly less bright eyed and bushy tailed because there is a lot of politics that goes to it. So I think it's important to keep that pinch me element because that's kind of that's what keeps us all going, really. You had a recent client, um, the um, and I can't remember which one it was because you have so many, but one of them just went to like a billion streams, did they not? Yes, um, Dakota. Um, so Dakota, she, yeah, she, um, she and Jonas Blue did a song, uh, which was a, a remake of the iconic Tracy Chapman Fast Car. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it recently hit a billion streams on Spotify, which is one of very, very few songs to do so. Um, so that was a real, um, a real moment. And it's, it's funny when stuff like that happens, especially nowadays, because, you know, I think obviously get, I mean, even getting to a million streams is hard. So a billion streams is kind of another level. And I think it's, it's easy to forget I think in the age of streaming as well because what does that really mean you know um but to get to a billion is is something that is you know I think because so few songs have done it I know Spotify actually have a playlist I think that they they kind of update of the the ones that have done a billion streams and it, I think it's only about 30 or 35 songs long and um and yeah I mean that was that was that a was real moment I think it's it's amazing to see the journey of a song because that song obviously came out a number of years ago and the fact that people are still listening to it and still streaming it and it's funny so many people kind of came up to me after that and said oh my god you know I you know I, I spent years with all my friends like as a teenager dancing to that record and that's incredible and it actually kind of really reignited um you know a lot of uh the artist side of uh, music for Dakota because we kind of about a year ago had met and but started working together and you know she had been an artist and been signed to her major label deal and was kind of you know getting much more focused on writing um for other other people and she actually grew up in Spain which no one knows so she's been doing a lot in the Latin world um and then all of a sudden you know it's funny it's kind of it's almost like dating I think a lot of the time in music you know the minute you're like oh no I'm, I'm not available and I think I just don't want to do this anymore something you know, amazing happens or someone comes along and all of a sudden you're kind of swept off your feet. And that exact thing happened with um with the fast car record. We kind of really decided that, you know, we were going to put a focus on writing on different projects, working for other people because she's an incredible songwriter as well. Um, and you know, then that that song kind of came came back around and everyone started reaching out again. And now we're kind of back back doing features and back doing more in the dance world which has obviously had a huge research so um yeah that was exciting do you know right away when you hear something like yeah this is it this is this is this is the magic I I definitely do I think sometimes the the hardest part is you know really and I think the hardest part of the industry for me and getting my head around the industry particularly in America has been when you get a record or hear an artist and you're like this is this is the real deal this is you know an artist or a musician who's going to stand the test of time they're incredibly talented and this is kind of undeniable um you know an undeniable hit or the music is you know you can't not hear this um and i think probably the most difficult thing about 
thing in the industry these days and being a manager is knowing that you've got something special but it's not just about that you know I think nowadays um it is so much of a data game um and so I think the hardest part is knowing that you've got something special and you know reaching out to you know whichever A&R your contact is or you know someone at a streaming service or you know whatever it might be and kind of getting oh but it's too early it hasn't it hasn't broken yet or it hasn't kind of you know blown up yet on TikTok and you're kind of thinking well isn't isn't that your job as an A&R to kind of sign something and put money behind it I mean a good example is um at a meeting with a friend um at a streaming service recently and he was telling me that that there was an artist that they were really excited about who is, is uh, signed to another very big artist. So she's been collaborating with this very successful artist. Um, so she already has a lot of co-signs um, in the kind of A-list artist world and, um, you know, is kind of signed to a major publisher, is an incredible songwriter. Uh, she's already got you know, a pretty large following online across social media and all her platforms. And, um, you know, they were supporting it as a streaming service and, you know, playlisting a few things. And he'd sent it to um, one of his friends who works at a major label. And she just kind of, I think, without even listening to the music, replied and said, this is too early for us. Um, you know, so I think that's, uh, if that's any indicator of how tough things are for artists right now in the industry, um, that's it. I mean, I think it's not just, unfortunately, it's not just about having a great record. Um, it's, mm. you know, it's, it's about really, you have to break yourself now, nowadays. It's the, that role of, of artist development has fallen upon the artist manager and the artist. Um, yeah. Well, that's the truth, right? That's probably the biggest change in your industry. I would think just as an, an outside observer, All right, When I was young, I mean, somebody would get signed to a record company and then, and then, yeah, you started seeing them all the time. And, you know, it was more about the record companies discovering, uh, yeah. you know, uh, artists. And now with, you know, YouTube and, uh, and TikTok and, and, and Instagram, there's clips. And, you know, now with, with all of social media out there, artists can just create a song, go on, you know, start performing and, and posting their stuff and uh, get a following. And it truly is, if you don't go in with the numbers already in place that you've, you've honed in on that, uh, no one is looking. And now yeah. they want like built-in audiences. Yeah, they do. And and the tricky, the tricky thing with that too is, you know, on the one hand, you can kind of understand it happens a lot you know, we we deal with this particularly a lot in dance music, um, you know, so a lot of writers and producers that I've worked with will have songs that get cut by big DJs, um, you know, and a lot of the time what DJs will do is they'll test the song in their set. So they'll kind of be like, all right, let's let's see how the crowd does with this one and, and if they like it. And, you know, on the one hand, that's a, a fantastic way of testing testing the song in real time. Um, on the other hand, what happens a lot is, you know, you'll have everyone who's involved in said record write an incredible song. Um, you know, it's obviously very, very hard for songwriters in particular to earn money these days, but hey, this big DJ wants it great there's a few other people interested but we're going to give it to to this guy because that you know that's the person that will 
as you said, breathe the most air into it and, you know, just really allow it to take off. They have the biggest following. It'll, you know, do the most numbers. And then, you know, they, they play the song out a bunch of times or they start teasing it on TikTok and then never have any intention of releasing it because it doesn't do what they think it does on the particular TikTok that they've posted. And it might be, have nothing to do with the record. Um, but what it then means is you've, spent all this time working on this song that can never be released by anyone else because now said DJ has kind of played it out or claimed it and you know so it um it definitely gets complicated it's a it's a kind of you have to have eyes almost in the back of your head uh for, for stuff like that so yeah it's it's an interesting time and I think it's important too that artists do at least consult with uh, managers and the like to, to try to get somebody representing them or guiding them right it's a rough industry to try to get into on your own mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I mean I think that for me that's the number one thing that is kind of almost missing um I think a lot of the time that there's a huge gap between artists and songwriters and producers and the kind of level of support that they get um you know not not from all artists but I think from a lot of artists the you mentioned the sag after strikes earlier you know one thing I find fascinating about that is that you know all of the actors and actresses are also involved in everything as well. You know, I mean, the reason that it's getting so much press is because you've got people like, you know, you've got the Oppenheimer cast walking out of screenings and premieres and, you know, showing support um, in such a way. Um, also, they're able to unionize. I mean, musicians are unable to unionize. Um, so, you know, that, that also is, is very, very unhelpful, but it, it never ceases to amaze me the lack of communication, um, that there often is between the artists and the songwriters and producers. I mean, I think it serves the industry and it certainly serves the labels very well to keep them kind of very, you know, at, at, at a wide berth. And I mean, you, you obviously have writers and producers who become extremely close collaborators of artists and you know you have I mean the Max Martins of our time and you know the those kind of really top level kind of songwriters and producers that you know all the top artists are going to for kind of advice but I mean I think unfortunately um it doesn't happen so often that the the artist is the one doing the mentoring I mean I think you have a lot of um producers or songwriters who become very successful that you know might start publishing ventures or you know that kind of take younger songwriters producers artists under their wing um but I think that artists are also so actively encouraged to kind of be very much their own entities it, it kind of really surprises me the lack of artists that get involved in stuff like you know the the songwriter and producer fights um and you know them getting you know points on records or songwriters getting fees or you know I mean you don't hear Taylor Swift or anyone making any noise about that you know um so I think that there's definitely a lack of knowledge um, on the artist side about songwriters and producers um, and, you know, the struggles that they face. I mean, you have, I have friends that go and work with major artists who can barely even afford their Uber to get to the session, but that yet they're showing up to someone's mansion, you know, and recording and 
scraping pennies to together to to be able to get home um you know i mean it is really it's it's unfortunate i think the um the lack of the lack of that that there is in the industry but hopefully i mean i know a lot of people are talking about with the sag aftra strikes and everything that's happening collaboratively across there that it will kind of prompt some some shift in the industry but we do need to be able to unionize first right and and again and i I think that one of the important things is that artists do try to find people like you, right? I mean, it's not so easy to get managers like you. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, you're at the, you know, the upper end, but, but still, I mean, to try to make an effort to seek managers, because that is um, a good, as you put it, bridge into, into the field, like to get somebody with the savvy and the know-how uh, who can be your tour guide. Uh, through that process uh, so I think that's an important message to get out there you know, you know at least to try to make an effort to uh to to talk to a manager consult with a manager or um certainly try to get get a manager excited about you maybe who'd be willing to, to take you on um as a first step as opposed to um the other way around like trying to break in yourself or do things yourself or sign things yourself uh right without so can you tell me what you're excited about now what's your most what's the project you're working on that you're most excited about right now oh um it's hot it's, it's like it's like picking a favorite child um yeah. <laughs> it's like picking a favorite child that that i i love them all for different reasons and in their own ways um i mean i'm most eminently um, I have an artist called Dizzy Faye, who we are about to kind of start launching um, her kind of, she, she's independent artist from Minnesota. Uh, we just did a, a sold out show at the iconic First Ave in, um, in Minnesota, in St. Paul, out in uh, the end of June. Um, she was the first artist that I ever took on, actually. So um, I'd always been very kind of set post-publishing that I would just work on writers and producers because, you know, I mean, artist management is a whole different beast, um, you know, and, and it involves, you know, not just the musical side, but it also, you know, press, fashion, video shoots. I mean, it, there's, there's a whole host of other you know, tours, travel, things that go along with it. D Dizzy Faye and I met through a mutual friend who's a producer and, and he said, listen, I have this artist and she's incredible. I want you to meet her. I think you're really going to get on. Um, can I bring her to an event you're doing? And I said, sure. And she, she came and I was kind of absolutely mesmerized by her and really like, you know, wow, this is a star um and she really had that kind of star quality and then we went for breakfast really connected and she played me a song um over breakfast that I just was kind of like okay well I have I have to do this and this is this is like the secret sauce this is incredible um so we've been working together for just over a year um really building kind of making sure you know obviously recording sessions and pairing artists with producers and songwriters is is something that you know I'm I'm very passionate about and I think is really really important because those are the people that you know you're going to continue to collaborate with for the rest of your career and if you're going to have a long illustrious career then you need a lot of great songs to to back it up so she's an incredible songwriter as well um 
we are about to start releasing her project um the end of September um so we're gonna, yeah rolling out it's going to be called Once Upon a Dizzy Fay um and uh yeah she's she's really incredible I mean it's kind of I guess reference wise a mix of like you know very Janet Jackson uh there's a lot of Prince influence in there she's obviously from Minnesota um but you know on a more modern tip Doja Cat um, you know, people like Aaliyah. I mean, she she's a kind of real mix of like R and B, soul, pop, R yeah, R and B, soul, pop. Um, yeah. So that that's exciting because that's the first ever artist that I took on. So very, very excited for that. And also just for, you know, it's always exciting knowing you're putting out great music and you know, what what it could potentially do and how it could, you know, change people's lives. What's your favorite area of music? Like, what do you listen to when you're just at home, you know, with your feet up on the couch? I, I go through phases, um, to be honest with you. I go through phases for sure. I would say my favorite, um, I mean, I'm I'm a real, I'm, an, I'm a 90s baby, so I'm a real sucker for the 90s. 90s R&B and hip hop, I would say, is um, is is pretty up there. Um, my parents used to play a lot of jazz. Um, so, yeah, you know, jazz. I mean, I... I love jazz. I think that that's definitely something that I, I find very calming to listen to. Um, but yeah, I mean, all the kind of, all the great early noughties stuff too, um, in terms of kind of R&B and hip hop, I'm, I'm a big fan of, um, never say no to the Spice Girls either. It's, it's really kind of, it's a big mix, but I would, I would say a very heavy kind of nineties influence for sure very eclectic mix there <laughs> yeah I, I mean I think you, you you've got to you know I mean I I love pop music I you know I mean I used to do classical music um and musical theater so you know I mean I think you have to ultimately I mean I guess that's that's the thing what what is popular music I mean pop music is whatever is the most popular thing at the time and I also think that we very much work in like in fashion we kind of work in cycles with music you know right. um you know I mean right now for example there is a huge kind of resurgence of like late 90s early noughties pop kind of right. R&B influence that's coming back and I think I feel like every kind of 20 years or so we have that, you know, I mean, I think everyone's also, we've had a rough few years. So I think everyone's feeling a bit nostalgic for uh, simpler times, um, you know, but um, yeah, th those are definitely, really? definitely my favorites. But, you know, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm also British. I'm very partial to a bit of house music when it's the right, the right mode. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a sucker for good melodies and lyrics. So, yeah. So advice to artists. Um, what advice would you give to the young, you know, 16 year old who's sitting out there listening, you know, trying to start their career, has talent? What, what advice do you give that person? Um, find your, find your collab best collaborators, uh, find your best collaborators, stick with them, be very consistent with writing songs and making music you know I mean if the second that you have a great song go and write another one um mm. you could never do too much time honing your songwriting um production creative skills um that is so important um because ultimately you know you're always going to be dealing with you know the label wanting more from you when you're eventually signed and, and and putting out music and 
you know, a lot of the time you're going to be told no again and again and again. And so to have that consistency and drive where you're like, you know what, this, this song didn't do what I, what I hoped it would, but I'm going to go and write another one. And then that one's going to hit is, is super important. Um, you know, I mean, I think, I think a lot of people these days forget how difficult it is for an artist to break and how long it actually takes. I mean, I think, you know, like an example that I love is, uh, you know, Dua Lipa, who's obviously for, you know, one of the biggest pop artists in the world right now. She re-released her first single in the UK. And this is when she was signed to a major label. I think they re-released it at least three times, um, you know, over the case, over the course, excuse me, of um, about two years. Just because something doesn't work immediately doesn't mean that it's not going to go. And it doesn't mean that it's not going to go in a big way. So, you know, that being said, I would also say don't take no for an answer. Um, keep going. That is, you know, for the 99 ANRs and people at labels that will tell you no, there will be someone who champions you. Um, and I think, you know, most, if not all, major music artists now, um, you know, even your your scissors, your Billie Eilish, whoever it is, have all have stories about working with labels and things not working out. Um, you know, and, and I think that consistency is key. So I would say find your team, find your collaborators. Um, you know, if you can, and it, it might be your, it might be your best friend from school, you know, but if you can find a manager who supports you, I think the number one thing in a manager, you know, it's, is someone who's loyal to you and someone who will fight for you. Um, because ultimately that's the most important thing. I mean, I think that the deeper you get into the industry, it's the same 50 guys and, and, a, and, a, and a few women, um, you know, not, not enough just yet, but it's the same people that are doing the same deals across the table. It's the same lawyers, the same A&R guys, the same few songwriters and producers and the same managers, kind of the same business managers. It's all those people at the top that kind of keep, you know, the music industry is huge. And then you have a core of it. That's kind of the, the gatekeepers, I guess you, you could say. Um, and you know, no matter who you are and no matter what song you've written, you're always going to be coming up, you know, against these people. So the most important thing in a manager is having a manager who will be loyal to you. Um, you know, a lot of managers and companies have setups and, you know, one of the reasons I, joined ATC is because of, you know, the, the way that they operate as a business, it's very much kind of artist first and art first, um, you know, and, and work hard and be nice to people. Whereas I think a lot of the time management companies are very driven on numbers. Same thing with labels too. I mean, they're, they're driven on, on numbers, you know, they're sitting every week in meetings where they're getting told, Hey, Oh, your artist only did this many streams. Sorry, don't find another one, you know? So it's, um, often you're, you're, you're dealing and your manager might be dealing with your A&R might be dealing with, you know, other people above them who, you know, are giving them a hard time. And so you want someone that's going to fight for you in, in all aspects. And where can people learn about you? Where can people learn about me? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Um, we have um, an ATC management, which is just at ATC management handle. Um, my personal one uh, is the number one uh, and then Emily Gracie. Um, so you can find me on there. You can, I'm not on Twitter or anything like that. Um, but um, but yeah, if, if anyone reaches out to me on 
on Instagram, then I'm I'm always happy to share email and you know listen to songs and and so on. So um yeah, I I, I believe my emails on um there's a, a kind of industry site called Roster. I think my uh, my email is on there as well. So yeah, that's excellent. So um I I know we've run out of time, but this has been a really fascinating interview. I want to thank you for joining me today, and I hope you'll come back and keep talking to me as new artists come your way and as you're creating new exciting paths i would love to thank you so much for having me okay and we're going to sign off and say thank you for watching uh, if you're on youtube or listening for any place else you get the podcast and have a great day